and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Danny Kelly, Stephen White, SB Nation's two finest football minds. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> doing great. Doing awesome. Excellent. Well, I gave you some props in the introduction, so we got we got to get jumped right into the, <laughs> the, the, the to breaking this free agency down. Because I'll, I'll be quite honest, I woke up this morning. I'm still not sure what day of the week it is. All I know that that the tidal wave of free agency has sort of the first tidal wave, at least, has sort of passed, and yeah. I haven't showered or shaved in about 48 hours. So I'm kind of a I'm I'm looking forward to five o'clock here to see what uh to to when this whole thing dies down. Of course, as soon as it does, as soon as we hang up the phone here. We'll get like the Kaepernick and RG three trades and stuff like that happening. RG three is going to happen. Well, Sounds like just... uh, well, there's a couple teams in on Kaepernick right now. Yeah, right. Let's start there. That's a good place to start because this is something you brought up today in in sort of the fallout of the Osweiler signing mm-hmm. with the Texans yesterday. Uh, it sounds like the Broncos are moving on to Plan B, which is Colin Kaepernick, Camp Kaepernick, which is, rather from yeah. San Francisco. <laughs> hey, you said it right. I try. I tried. And uh yeah. but the Jets and the Browns are also in on on him. Do we know what who is like in the lead for that right now? Cuz they Well, like, yeah. Seems like the Jets are kind of in it but not really. Yeah. Like they're just kind of poking around. It seems to be between the Browns and the Broncos, but uh, evidently uh the Broncos seem to be a little bit more motivated and uh, you know, obviously because they don't have the fallback of having what the number four pick in the draft. So uh, if I was going to bet, I would bet that the Broncos would be a little bit more uh, motivated to make their trade. But then again, I mean, is it really worth it? I mean, and I, you know, I've been a Kaepernick fan, but it, I don't know, man. I, I'm still smarting over them letting Osweiler leave yesterday. And, you know, I know, uh, John Elway's a little upset, and he's kind of you know sounding like a guilty lover now. Yeah, uh, earth, but, man. but but you know, look, you had to believe that they really thought they were going to be able to retain his services, and mm-hmm. so trying to trade for Kaepernick after the year Kaepernick had last year seems to be a little smack a little bit of desperation. Yeah. So I don't know, but I guess you got to do something. Your number one and your number two going out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and what and where's the? I guess well, how much faith do you have in in this guy to come into to Gary Kubiak's offense and be, you know, and and sort of find a new life and 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 find his footing again in the NFL? I mean, I don't think he's. I think he's a talented quarterback, but I think you know it's going to take some work to get him back to that level. Well, I think in a lot of ways, uh, kind of some of the things that they did with with Peyton after he came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, shows you that maybe Kaepernick can be okay there. You know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of make everything simpler. You move the pocket a little bit, which Kubiak has normally done uh, until he got here with Peyton. And obviously, for obvious reasons, he couldn't do it as much. But he even, you know, had a couple rollouts uh, and bootlegs for Peyton in, in the playoffs. And so if, you know, you do a little bit more of that and a yeah. little bit less of the the, the, the uh, true, uh, you know, seven-step drop, Stuff I think you, you give him a chance, and, and look, that's going to be different from what he did in, in, in San Francisco with uh, 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 what's the coach that went Harbaugh. to Michigan? Harbaugh, because Harbaugh was more you know the power of football, and then some of the read option stuff, and then mm-hmm. 
you know, kind of let him take off running on his own after stuff broke down, uh, or, 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 you know, have him on playing runs more so than, you know, rollouts where he has kind of a run pass option. Yeah. So he's still going to have to adjust a little bit, but I think Kubiak, his offense can really showcase an athletic guy and kind of take some of the pressure off of him having to, having to be that classic seven-step drop guy. Yeah. So I think it's a good fit. I still say Kirk Kelly is the perfect fit, but I, I still think it will be a decent fit for him. I, I'm just I, – I, I just don't know how much. Like, I don't necessarily expect him to, you know, be a Pro Bowl-type guy in that offense, and there's still, there's still a lot of question marks. I'm just wondering how a guy gets to the point where he gets benched in the middle of the season – had some injuries, had to have surgery, and now he's kind of highly sought after, so yeah. to speak. It just kind of shows you where we're at with quarterbacking in the NFL. It really is. Well, and I guess that's the bigger question I have because it's not just the quarterback situation in Denver. I mean, they're losing a lot of guys, <laughs> losing a lot of key guys from their Super Bowl championship team, especially on D. I mean, the quarterback position's getting all the attention right now, but. You know, the real story here is it looks like they may lose Brandon Marshall. They lost Trevathan to the Bears already. I mean, they did keep Von Miller, but uh, it, it's uh, they lost Malik Jackson. I mean, this is not – that's those are some blows to that group. I mean, that's you, – you take away two inside linebackers at that, who play at that level. Now, you know, the, the nothing's happened with Marshall yet. They may end up keeping him. You never know, but. Um, you know, that's a blow in and of itself. And now you take Malik Jackson out of the mix, too. I mean, I know they have a lot of depth on that defensive line, but, you know, Malik Jackson's a hell of a player. <laughs> I mean, are the Broncos, so I guess my question is, are the Broncos screwed? I don't think they're screwed. I think that um, it's it's going to be very hard for them to maintain the level that they played last year because. I mean, their defense was just dominant. Basically, won them the Super Bowl. Kind of one of the more interesting, like stories in in recent memory of like a team that was so one sided winning it all. You know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's it's. I feel like it's going to be very very hard for them to it, in a normal year. It'd be really hard for any team to repeat as a champion, right? But like, it's going to be really hard for them if they don't get some more balance. Um, so maybe they'll pour more resources into the offense this year and their defense will be a little bit worse, but they'll, they'll obviously still have yeah. Von Miller and some of that pass rushing teeth or whatever. But um, yeah, it, there's probably going to be a little bit of a drop off and they're going to need to make up for that. I think, you know, yeah. I don't think they, because Elway talks about how, Oh yeah, we, uh, we won the Super Bowl with basically crappy quarterback play, right? Like he said that in his announcement or whatever. Yeah, and he said, "Well, if we just get a little bit better offense, like a little bit better quarterback play, we'll be fine." Which has since been scrubbed from their website, by the way. Oh, did they take that down? Yeah, they had like yesterday. It said, "Considering that the Broncos won it all with suboptimal, near replacement level quarterbacking." End quote. (laughs) Today it says, "Considering that the Broncos won it all with the struggles at quarterback." End quote. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. You know that was just written in anger too. It's funny. Uh, that's what was. That's what killed me about the whole thing. It's just like, man, Elway came out yesterday, and it wasn't like the usual stuff. Well, we're sorry to see him go. We tried to keep him. We were hopeful. Blah blah blah. Yeah, he was. There was the sour grapes, scorched earth, bad breakup <laughs> sort of thing, man. I mean, it really was terrible. I mean, come on now. You just offered this guy sixteen million a year, and you you really didn't want him. 
well, we want guys who want to be here. No, you want guys who want to be here at your price, which is fine. <laughs> but say that. Don't say, don't act yeah. like now. Well, we didn't really want his ass anyway. Yeah, if he just said yes yesterday, I'm so sure uh, uh, John Elway would have sat across him like, you know what? I was going to give you this money, but after all, I, I don't really think you want to be here, so I'm going to change my mind. I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. It you, really was. You can't, like... you can't be like that. And look, he's right about the quarterback play, but you just won a Super Bowl. How do you? I mean, he didn't just shit on on Osweiler with that statement. He also kicked Peyton, who had all these great right. things to say oh, about, yeah. <laughs> in the ass on, on the way out the door. <laughs> you know, calm down, man. Take some deep breaths. Count to ten. Do something. But you, was... you cannot. It wasn't even like he said it. He he had. It was a written statement. It took a shot at like one of the most beloved players in NFL history, and then the process. This, I mean, he what's the uh, Cavs owner? He put the oh, yeah. Gilbert. Yeah, I'm surprised he's and you know, pull a Dan Gilbert. Yo, shit. I mean, that, that's really the level of petty he was at yesterday. That's funny. And I understand, man. You're mad, and now you're a franchise that you was hoping to kind of keep together and maybe not make another run next year. You know, you don't have a quarterback, which is suboptimal. But you can't go off like that, man. You wrote this shit down. probably wrote this shit down. Angry as hell, too. That's all fucked up. They can't no. even see how... how so they can type it up oh man yeah go look up chris law on twitter he's got that uh he's got that quote from the website that really just sums it all (laughs) on man it's just and he's the producer for the rich eisen show but it's just it's (laughs) hilarious shit man um hey okay i want to stay in the afc west for a minute because i think that there's i mean i don't you know I don't like to get into the contract numbers themselves for free agency because I think that's kind of like, well, whatever, you know, players are going to get what they can get and teams are going to pay what they're going to pay. And we can judge the numbers later on in the end. But, uh, you know, I want to say that I think that uh, I'm pretty impressed with what the Raiders have done in free agency so far. I woke up to the Sean Smith news first thing this morning. And then, you know, they they signed Kalichi Osamele to play guard on uh I mean I think they agreed in principle to the deal and that was one of those Tuesday things. But uh those are two pretty good free agent moves. I mean cost aside, you know, that gives them a number one cornerback or gives them a you know a top cornerback as opposed to, you know, where they kind of had to fill in with David Amerson last year as their best guy who took over for DJ Hayden. And then, you know, now you've got an interior line of Osamele, Hudson and uh Oh shit! I can't think of the other guy's name right now. But it's a it's one hell of an interior offensive line, which is not only big for their running game, but that's a nice little thing for a, a quarterback like Derek Carr too to have a pocket like that to work in. Like Gabe Gabe Jackson. Gabe Jackson. There we go. Is he going to play inside, or are they playing? Is he going to play on the tackle? A tackle? Do you know? I don't know yet. It sounds like. I mean, I think <clears throat> it might kind of depend on what happens with Donald Penn too. But right, right. But, I mean, I, I think those are good moves. I mean, and I'm not used to all credit where credit is due because I'll tell you, as an NFL media person for a few years now, the Raiders are an, always an easy heel. But this is not an easy heel time for the Raiders anymore. The world's changing, man. They've got some talent, yeah, on defense, on offense. They've got a quarterback, which is hugely important. They're making some moves. It's actually going to be really interesting because they kind of felt like they were close last year. Um, yeah, 7 you know, they, they kind of but... faded. Yeah, they faded a little bit, but um, 
they could challenge this year, you know. It's uh, especially you know if they get a little bit better run game going. I think they could do that with some of the improvements they've made on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Derek Carr is obviously has the potential to kind of break out as a superstar. I think, and they got some good receivers. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I like the Bruce Irvin addition too. It'll be really interesting to see how they use him in their defense. Yeah. Um, you know, because he was kind of, I don't know, if, like underutilized is the right word in Seattle's defense, but he just didn't, they didn't really let, let him pass rush all that much. And so it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if they, they allow him to do that a little bit more and kind of, if he kind of breaks out in that way, because he was more of like a base Sam and then they rush him on, on nickel downs and stuff like down third downs. Uh But, um, you know, if they, if they use him more as a pass rusher, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of break out too. Yeah. I think they're paying him like a pass rusher, so yeah, they really are. It's it's a fairly sizable contract, but you know they had they're they're a team in a situation too where they had a lot of cap space, and they were also yeah um, one of those teams. I think there were a couple of them, but they had to kind of spin bigger this year because they were at that they were under that threshold. Yeah, they were under that three year floor under the terms of the collective bargaining agreement. Well, that's why Bruce Irvin, I think I heard, has a $12 million cap hit in the first year. So they're kind of getting it out of the way. Mm-hmm. That's just a way to get over the, the floor. And then he'll be a little bit cheaper as his, his contract goes on. Yeah. What other teams? I wanted to get you guys' opinions. What other teams have you, are you optimistic about based on what we've seen in free agency so far? The Giants are making some moves. I want to hear what Steven has to say about the... The Olivier Vernon thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, here's the thing. Okay, so you have to talk about both teams, right? First of all, for the Dolphins, I don't really understand what the fuck they're doing. No. I'll just be quite honest. And a lot of times I try not to necessarily interject myself into the conversation, you know, just because I don't feel like hearing fans, first day of free agency, everybody's hyped. Yeah, and, you know, if a guy leaves, we don't need his ass anyway. If a guy comes, <laughs> oh, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. So, but the thing that that, that was missing from the conversation after Mario Williams signed is the fact that Mario Williams and and Cameron Wake are both left defensive end mm-hmm. and pretty much left defensive end only. That's what they've played. That's what they do play. That's what they're gonna play. I guess they could, in in theory move Cam Wake over to the other side, but that's not what he's done. And there's no guarantees that he will be effective over there. Look, Olivier Vernon should have been a success story for them. Yeah. They, they, they drafted the other kid up high, but got him, I think, in the same year uh, and, and ended up outplaying the, the, the first-round pick and, and ends up going all the way up to starter, playing well, getting a lot of pressure, even you know a lot more pressure than Sacks, but uh, you know, it, it was a rough year last year, but I mean, that dude brings it. And yeah. He brings it as a run defender. He brings it as a uh, pass rusher. He's 25 years old. How in the fuck do you pick Mario Williams over him? I just don't understand it. This is like the dumbest shit I've ever heard of. Yeah. So uh, I don't care that Mario Williams. Of course, he was cheaper because he's the he's the lesser talent, and he has the less upside. So of course, he's cheaper. But who's going to play right defensive end for you now? You know, the guy that maybe some people thought may go over there was Derek, uh, was uh, Shelby. And now he's gone. He's yep. signed somewhere else today. 
So, you know, you got two old-ass left defensive ends and not a whole lot to show for it and no right defensive end. You know, great job there, Mike Tannenbaum. You, you, you're doing a great job so far. <laughs> heck of so a job, Tanny. Heck of a yeah, for real. I mean, and look, Mike Tannenbaum signed me to my contract up with the Jets. I don't have any problem with him, but this was dumb as fuck. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. I know people will spin it differently than that, but unless and until they replace uh, Olivier Vernon with a an actual right defensive end, I'm gonna stick with it. Was dumb as fuck. Okay. Yeah. So for the Giants, it's a great move. What's the one thing they've been missing? Pass rush. Of yep. course, last year that was because of JPP's injury. But you protect yourself if he never becomes that same player again. Now you have a dude who is locked in for the future. Is still young. Um, his best days are ahead of him, and he can do it all. So uh, they got him. I, I think they quote unquote overpaid a little bit, probably for the nose tackle. Uh, uh, Harrison, and you know, I, look, he's a nose tackle. Now, I said I won't draft the nose tackle in the first round, and I damn sure ain't giving one $48 million. But more <laughs> power to him. You know, that's great for him. But he's not really going to be a, a factor on third and long. And I don't, you know, if it was me, I don't pay guys who can't rush the pass. Yeah. But the, the, the Giants decide to do that. Here's the thing he's a really good player, though. So when he's making plays on those first two downs, is anybody going to actually complain? I doubt it. So they got a good player. They may be overpaid for him, but I think he's going to make plays for people and nobody's going to really care anymore about how much money he's making. Yeah. So what they really needed was to get a pass rush because their secondary wasn't so great. And they need to be, they like to be able to get out to the quarterback with four. And so they addressed it. And I think they got uh, Janoris Jenkins too, right? Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, he's a hit or miss guy. But here's the thing. When he missed, yeah, he might give up a long play. But he's going to get his share of pick sixes too, one way or another. Yep. You know, you, you might not like that. Um, but he, he reminds me a lot of, of the guy. That he started off with the Patriots and then he ended up with Asante the Falcons. Samuel. Asante Samuel. You know, very talented, very athletic, uh, has a nose for the football, is going to guess and get you in trouble at some time. But he's also going to be able to make some game-changing plays. So you put all that together. You got a new pass rush that's going to force quarterbacks to throw the ball out quick. You got a guy that likes to jump on quick routes and take them back to the house. I think they did a great job on defense, um, kind of retooling who their defense can be now. Yeah. And so now that side of the ball won't be as much as a liability as they have been here lately. Yeah, and I think that too, you know, with Jenkins, I mean, they spent a lot of money, and he's the highest paid quarterback in free agency, so or cornerback in free agency so far. And that's, you know, you, you people pay a little bit more for interceptions like that too, and, and more power to him to go there and get that. And they also kept JPP. I mean, it was a one year, it's, it's, a, it's a deal that's, I think with incentives, they, he gets up, to, he could get up to 10 million or maybe a little bit more. But, you know, so they also, unlike the Dolphins, they didn't even let their homegrown talent get away. I, you know, I, and the thing with the Dolphins that I come back to is it's not, you know, Mike Tannenbaum did this spending spree this time around, and he was there last year, although Ireland was still there. But Ireland, you go back to 2013, and that was the Jeff Ireland thing. This is, to me, more of a Stephen Ross problem. And you saw that thing with Stephen Ross where uh, a couple weeks back he came out and said, well, I think a coach in three years should be doing, have a winning team where he's, you know, should be fired. I mean, 
for I mean that's sort of an unwritten rule, but for the owner to actually come out and say that publicly is a pretty shocking thing. Still, <laughs> yeah. for a guy they just freaking hired, you know. <laughs> and what do we think about the Byron Maxwell Kiko Alonso trade too? As long as we're talking about the Dolphins, I mean, is that even going through? First of all, because yes, I heard yesterday it's, it's going through now. Yesterday it was uh, it was. It looked like it was DOA for a little yeah. bit because of a shoulder injury. I mean, I guess the report from Ed Werder to ESPN was that he got down there. Maxwell couldn't even do the bench press in the physical oh, that they gave him geez. because of a shoulder injury he suffered late in the season. But the Dolphins doctors checked him out, and then they went ahead and finalized the trade yesterday. So he's okay. there with his – and he's got a pretty big cap hit from that deal with the Eagles he signed last year. Now, if they'll restructure it, I'm sure they will. I, you know, We haven't seen that yet, but – that to me comes back to the same thing with the Olivier Vernon. Had they not gone on that spending spree like they did in 2013, they could have kept Sean Smith. And now you look at Sean mm. Smith, who was you know one of the better corners available in free agency this year, went to the Chiefs after he left the Dolphins and was a solid corner for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had 20, I think last year... They had $21 million in dead cap space left over from that 2013 spending spree. So you can just imagine <laughs> what it's going to be like, you know, from a few years from now when you're going back to the, the, this spending spree in last year's spending spree. Yeah. And they'll still be chasing the Patriots. <laughs> All right, Danny, your, your take. We, talk, we mentioned the Giants and the Dolphins. Who's another team that has stood out to you, either for good or bad things so far in free agency? Well, let me, uh, I mean, obviously you got to talk about the Jaguars. Um, you know, they've made some moves. They got Malik Jackson, uh, which is, they spent a lot obviously (laughs) for him. And I I don't really know. Um, I mean, I think he's a really good player and everything, but, um, it's, he, I, is he the highest paid defensive lineman or one of the highest paid defensive ends anyway in the NFL now? And so that's just kind of an interesting one. But they, they are on paper putting some interesting things together with Malik Jackson. They'll have Dante Fowler back next year. I think he's the third year. highest now after the, in the wake of the Olivier Vernon signing. Oh, yeah, that's For true. defensive okay. lineman. Yeah. And then, like, J.J. Watt, I guess. Or oh, yeah. Sue. Sue is number one. Sue's interior. I don't know. Regardless, it, it was a lot. Somewhere um, so So it was really interesting that they did that. Um, and then, you know, they... Resign Mercedes Lewis, which was kind of an under, you know, a little lower. But they've been they've been in a lot of stuff too. I think they were in for Bruce Irvin. They didn't get that one. Um, they were in for Vernon. They yeah. didn't get that one. So they're trying to make some moves. So I bet you they'll make a lot more moves. And they also got Sean Gibson, which is an interesting one for them because they've been having issues with the secondary. Um, you know, they I think they need a good safety or two, and that should be something to watch mm-hmm. next year um you know because i think just based on watching the seahawks defense having having a good free safety is pretty key for what the seahawks do and so i'm sure that you know gus bradley's trying to get some sort of you know something close to earl thomas as much as he can uh in, in his defense and so that'll be really interesting to see what happens there so i think what they've done is pretty cool um you know they had them like 90 million dollars to spend so i'm sure they're going to you know, make a few more moves here before it's all said and done. Oh, they also got Chris Ivory, which is interesting. For thirty-two um, million dollars. There, yeah. I mean, it's like the he, he and again, he's kind of like the Marshawn Lynch uh, clone or whatever, maybe the poor man's clone. 
And and so him and TJ Yeldon are going to be interesting. Um, and they still have Denard Robinson. So I don't know. Uh, what they've done is pretty cool, I think. But just kind of depends on what they get out of Malik Jackson, you know, because they spent so much on him. Yeah. Now, Malik Jackson, though, I mean, you know, the contract, big contract or whatever, I mean, I, I, he'll produce. I mean, he doesn't seem like a guy that's not going to produce. I mean, he's, he's, right. he's the real deal. I mean, he's a really talented defensive lineman. Yeah, he's definitely really good. Um, I mean, I think there's a question of, like, actual sack numbers that he's produced. But I think, you know, I think he's a really, really good player. And it'll be interesting to see him go into that defense versus playing in the 3-4 the in Denver mm-hmm. um, to see how, how they utilize him there, with like kind of like their version of Michael Bennett or something like that. You know, I think that's yeah. kind of probably how they envision him. Yeah, he, that, that's exactly who he's going to be for them. Uh, yeah. You know, Malik Jackson went to Tennessee. So I'm very familiar with his game. And he was in a 4-3 there. And even there, you know, he started off as defensive end, and then he went. He eventually got moved inside because we just were terrible on defense under Derek Dooley's sorry ass. And so uh, <laughs> he 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 ended up. It ended up being for his benefit because he'd always just been a defensive end. Uh-huh. But um, playing inside showed his versatility. Now I was actually a little bit wary of him going to a three-four initially because I mean he's a big, strong kid. And all that, but he was an edge guy. He'd always been an edge guy, so I wasn't sure if he was going to be with that whole, you know, uh, two gap and shit. And, and and really and truly, that really wasn't his deal, which is why you know he kind of was was more of a situational guy up until last year. Uh, but then you get uh, uh, Wade Phillips in there, and then you got these guys more so than just sitting there taking on double teams. They're doing a lot more stunning and stuff like that, and they really let him go when it came to. Uh, pass rush stuff, um, I'd expect to see him a lot more inside than outside, quite honestly. Uh, they'll probably play him a defensive end um, on pass, I mean, on rundowns, kind of like they do with Michael Bennett, but then they're going to stick him inside all over the place and just let him kill guards all day long. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if this kid, uh, 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 Dante Fowler Jr., really comes along, and, and you can stick those two guys beside each other kind of like you do with Michael Bennett and um, what's his face from the the, the Lions, who, who's there Avril. now, and, and with Avril, yeah, you know, let Dante Fowler come screaming off the edge, and you got, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Malik Jackson in a wide uh, three or four eye, and put really stress in that guard. Uh, they can finally actually kind of simulate what they were doing out in Seattle. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm excited to see. Um, how he fits there, uh, quite honestly, because I, I think that he's probably even better than people think. Um, just because of having been in a 3-4 when really and truly initially he really wasn't a 3-4 guy and still found a way to make it work, still found a way to be very productive uh, once, once uh, you know, you, you got Phillips in there, he really took off. I think putting him back in a 4-3 now where he's going to be able to move around a lot and really be on the edge, his best days are definitely ahead of him. Yeah. And the Jaguars are in a situation, too, where they really – I mean, there's some pressure on them this year, too. I mean, they have yeah. to kind of – I mean, if you follow Jags Twitter at all, and, and why wouldn't you follow <laughs> Jags Twitter, I guess is my question for you then, um, then you know that – I mean, there are a lot of people ready to just have Gus Bradley's head on a platter after this season. 
So there's so what they do, they extended him. Yeah. So there's definitely some pressure in Jacksonville <laughs> to get it done. I, I will say this the highlight of free agency yesterday was Uncle Chaps. Did you guys see the Uncle oh, Chaps? Did you guys see Adam Schefter? Did, did he get somebody again? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was him? He got Schefter. Somebody, yeah, somebody got fooled and they retweeted, <laughs> but I didn't know it was Chaps. Well, they talked he, about he, it on TV. They talked about it on really? live TV. <laughs> wow. He did that. He, you know, he'll, he changed his Twitter name or whatever to Jay Glazer. And he said uh, hmm. something like, look for the Jaguars to sign um, Olivier Vernon. And ESPN picked it up. ESPN picked it up, and somebody else picked it up. ESPN was a big one. A couple other outlets picked it up too. And the, part of the joke was that Jay Glazer even she was like, "Holy crap! They gave me credit. They finally gave me credit, yeah. and it's not even me." Ironic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so, like in the middle of like Sports Center, NFL Live, whatever their you know afternoon show was yesterday. Adam Schefter had to had to come on. He's like, "Yes, we have to apologize for this. We it was a fake. There's a lot of fake. There's a lot of fake accounts out there. You got to really be careful this time of year." Well, <laughs> yeah. And so we reached out to Chaps and got a video apology from Chaps, which features him shirtless drinking a beer, <laughs> apologizing for for what happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that that was very heartfelt. Uh, apology to I'm so sure. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty great. It was a great moment. It was it was one of the better moments in television history, uh, recent television history, I'll have to say, or at least for maybe like Sports Center television history. But I I did enjoy that. That was that was a, a nice highlight in a long ass day yesterday. <laughs> the Uncle Chaps vignette. A little break with Uncle Chaps. Um, how about those Browns? Have you have you have you seen the Brown stuff coming out? They've, the Browns have lost two offense, two of their starting offensive linemen. They're only two offensive linemen that started all sixteen games for him last season, I believe. You just feel bad for Joe Thomas at this point. You do, kind of. <laughs> and, did, and did you hear the thing with the? Uh, this is an interesting little insight into maybe. Now, we'll see. There's a lot left to play out. But with the Mitchell Schwartz, their right tackle. Um, they yanked his, yeah, his offer or something? Yeah, and the yeah. word was, like, from agents. And this was a lot of, like, those insiders were, were tweeting about it yesterday. But it was, like, hearing that the Browns are very hard to deal with. Hearing that the Browns are almost impossible to negotiate with. So mm. the, Right, they start ripping them a new one. <laughs> yeah. So I, the new front office in Cleveland is off to a great start, sounds like. Yeah, and um, I don't know the details, so I won't get too far into it. But it sounds like the the Browns front office is going to have its own little set of headlines in the near future with the uh, if the Alex if there's some stuff that comes out around the Alex Shine thing, so or whatever. I think that's his name. So uh, I haven't heard about that one yet. Shiner, rather, but yeah, well, I, I think you will pretty soon. So uh, stay tuned for that. But yeah, more fun <laughs> out of the Cleveland front office. So, uh, yeah, the Browns were kind of, uh, you know, I hate to use the winners and losers, but the Browns were definitely, did not come out of uh, free agency looking very well yesterday. Um, You know, another move from yesterday that I liked was, uh, we mentioned a little earlier, the Bears getting Trevathan, the middle linebacker from the Broncos. Obviously, he knows John Fox, but that's been a huge hole 
mean, not that the Bears don't have a lot of holes in their in their defense and, and <laughs> offense right now, but you know, ever since they lost Urlacher to retire, ever since Urlacher retired, that's really been a struggle for them to fill that spot. And I think they got a good guy to do it this time. Or am I wrong? Yeah, am I guess- misreading that? No, I think again, it's going to be interesting to see him play in you know that scheme. I, they, I, I, we talked about them last year. They've got a pretty cool like they've got some talent on that defense. It just doesn't seem like they ever put it together. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see how you know how he can change that that defense a little bit. I mean, I think they still Shea McClellan still's out there, right? Um, yeah. So he, I don't know if they're trying to get him back too, but. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I think that's a that's a big deal for them. Yeah, for sure. And I and I I wanted to come. Let's go to the other. Let's go to the West Coast. I wanted to ask you, Danny, to get your take on the Seahawks so far because I thought the Mabane thing was interesting. The Seahawks were trying to keep him. He eventually left for Sandy, a three year deal with the Chargers, but they were able to get. Looks like lockdown Jeremy Lane for the long term. Yeah. Uh, so far, yeah, I think the the moves that they've made they've been kind of quiet so far. But um, they lost Jr. Sweezy to the Bucks. They lost, uh, like you said, Mebane to the Chargers, and so those are kind of bummers. I think they probably would have they would have liked to keep Sweezy just because their offensive line has been so basically bad for the last couple of years. It helps to have a little continuity, but he kind of got priced out. He's, he's making like seven over the first couple of years of his deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they did re-sign Atiba Rubin, which I think it was a big deal for them. Um, he played really well. He was on a one-year kind of prove-it deal last year, and then they really liked what he did. And Pete Carroll said he's like the best one, or he's the best three technique that they've had in his time with the Seahawks. So, um Obviously, they're really happy with him, and they gave him a three-year deal. And then they locked up Jeremy Lane for another four years. So I think kind of maybe they were snake-bitten with the whole um, Kerry Williams thing last year. You know, mm-hmm. they kind of they lost Byron Maxwell. They weren't going to be able to pay him what the, the Eagles paid him. And then they kind of signed Kerry Williams and <clears throat> not desperation, but kind of just like they needed somebody. Yeah. And he just really didn't work out. And so... I think they decided that they wanted to stay in house, keep their own guy. If they had to pay, you know, a premium for it, they were willing to do that. I think we haven't really seen the exact details of his contract. I think it's four years, twenty three million or something like that, um, which isn't terrible for a corner. And he's he's you know he's not like an elite top tier corner at this point. I think they believe he probably can be, um, but he's valuable because he can play inside too. You know, he played the nickel spot for them a little bit can play outside in a, in a pinch if they need him to. And, you know, he's also a really good special teams guy. Does He does a lot of their gunning and stuff like that. So he uh, he's kind of one of their core players. And that's kind of how I think the Seahawks look at him. Obviously, with a four-year deal, uh, they really like him. So um, I think that was a big deal for them to get him locked up because they've got, they've got some talent at corner after him, yeah. but it's all kind of unproven. Like Therald Simon constantly injured has had issues ty smith last year they drafted don't really know much about him and then there's a couple other guys like Mohamed cisse and stanley john baptiste that they like but you just don't really know so mm-hmm. um overall i think I, so far they've been quiet but they've they've been good i think that i really like what they've done so far i think they could probably replace sweezy i wasn't too high on sweezy in the first place um and they have mark Lewinsky kind of you know penciled in at his spot 
And if they can get Russell Okung done, that would be kind of, I think, a coup for them. But it's going to be interesting because you haven't really heard anything about Okung yet. Yeah. You know, he's, he's representing himself, so maybe he's not, like, leaking stuff like a lot of agents will normally do. But, but yeah. Um, so far, I've been kind of just, like, I, you know, as covering the Seahawks, I've been kind of just satisfied with what they've done. I, it, it doesn't shock me they lost Meemane or, or Sweezy, and so um, so far it's fine, really. So you're not you're not worried given the lo- the defections from free agency that the Seahawks have had. You don't think this is a big blow to them for 2016 no. or anything. I'll put it this way: it's not surprising. I think it was pretty much expected that they wouldn't be able to keep both Ruben and Meemane. I think they tried to keep Meemane. Um, but they had a price cap on it. You know, they're not going to spend a ton of money. Like, like, uh, Steven said, you know, they're not going to spend a ton of money on, on a nose tackle. Um, not that Mevan got tons of money, but I think what, what they think is they can probably find a guy in free agency that will fill that role somewhat similarly to what he does. Um, you know, he's not a pass rusher, so they're not going to pay a premium for that. And, and there's also a lot of good nose tackles in the draft, it seems this year. So, yeah. Um, I think they kind of looked at it like they want to get one of the two, Ruben or Mebane. And yeah. Ruben was their priority, and they got him. So they also have Jordan Hill, who could probably play the nose tackle if they maybe, you know, I don't really know, but they might see him there. Um, A.J. Francis is a guy I think that they're kind of high on. And uh, so there's some guys there that they could probably, you know, use to fill in. And they've, they've filled their defensive line, the interior defensive line, with veteran guys over the – past couple of years and, and done pretty well they like kevin williams clinton mcdonald um tony mcdaniel and then alan branch are kind of some guys that they've had over the years they just found them on the free agent market for mm-hmm. relatively cheap and just kind of plugged them in so i think they probably feel like they can do that again yeah this is a team that's this is that seems to be really good at finding those <clears throat> like the piece you wrote the other day about the you know the 30 year old or, or older the veteran free yeah. agent, the kind of they can bring those in, and, and you know the Avril, you know, is the perfect example of that. Right. I mean, yeah, and the Seahawks, they've they've done it on their defensive line the best. Yeah. Um, they have failed pretty miserably at the offensive line stuff that they've tried, um, but their defensive line signings have been really, really, really good over the years. Um, so I, you know, I, I think that's probably why they felt comfortable letting me being go because they've had so much success. Yeah, bringing people in and kind of plugging them in. Now, Stephen, uh, how what's the feeling on free agency in Tampa Bay so far? The 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 big news was really the Doug Martin. They were able to re-sign Doug Martin. <clears throat> Is well, it- they they re-signed Doug Martin, and then as. Uh- uh, Danny alluded to, they got J.R. Sweezy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think fans and everybody are excited about getting Doug Martin back. Uh, but he probably got a little, a little overpaid, uh, yeah. just to be honest with you. In this era of supposedly devaluing running backs, um, he split time a lot of times last year with Charles Sims. Yeah. And he still gets, I think, close to $7 million a year. But he's a fan favorite, and rightfully so. Has that you know really rough running style, especially for a guy his size, uh, and just you know for somebody so small packs a really big punch. So uh, I think it was good for both sides because I don't think Doug would have been would have had the kind of year he had anywhere else. And at the same time, the Bucks really needed him to have that kind of year last year to take the pressure off of Jameis Winston, and they will need him to have those kind of years going forward. 
to continue to take the pressure off the quarterback. So, um, you know, it's smart for both sides. I think the, the Sweezy thing, has he ever played left ta- uh, left guard, uh, Danny? I, I wasn't sure. I hadn't looked it up yet. I thought it was a right um, guard. He's primarily overwhelmingly been in right guard. He might have, I can't, I'm trying to remember if like in his first year he played a little bit, but I think pretty much just right guard his whole career. Right, which doesn't, you know, again, I, I'm big on watching guys do, you know, what they do and then going off of that. I'm not real big on uh, projecting, you know, he played right guard all this time. Now he can just easily go over there to left guard. That's not usually the way it works. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they just drafted a right guard last year uh, in Ali Marpet, and he had a pretty good uh, rookie year, in fact. Right. So the, the the opening is, of course, a left guard since they had um, uh, uh, the guy retire, uh, Mankins, Logan yeah. Mankins, the longtime Patriots guy, retired. So someone's going to have to play left guard, probably somebody who's not really played a whole lot of left guard. So we'll see how that works out. It might, it maybe works out, maybe it doesn't, but we'll see. Um, but the, the interesting thing is that they, 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 they didn't get into the defensive ends they were targeting. And obviously we've talked about this for a while. You know, the Bucks haven't had a double digit sack guy since Simeon Rice. Literally. That's not a joke. That's literal. They haven't had a double digit sack guy since Simeon Rice. And so, uh, you know, they need help on the defensive line. Olivier Vernon would have looked great in a Bucks uniform. Only would have had to move a few hours up the road. Uh, they couldn't even get Charles Johnson, who they had in the building, for double the money that the Panthers were offering. Yeah. So, and then of course they didn't get Mario Williams either. So uh, it, they kind of came away empty-handed uh, on a position that they pretty much needed to address. You know, maybe you didn't have to get an aging Charles Johnson or an aging Mario Williams, but damn, man, you can't even get Olivier Vernon. I know it's a lot of money, but you got a lot of money to spend. As far as I can tell, and shit, that defense definitely needs it. Yeah. Uh, so I think they still have to kind of come away disappointed that they weren't able to pick up on those top tier defensive ends. I think they're still kind of looking into um, what's the kid from the Giants? Uh, Ayers, Robert Ayers. <coughs> Robert Ayers, and he's a Tennessee guy too, so I should have <laughs> known his name. But um, he's looking for ten a year, which I think is absurd. Even though he had a real good year last year. And hey, if somebody's willing to give it to him, more power to you. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to get what he's looking for there. But obviously, the guys that they look at now in free agency, probably the expectation is going to be set a lot lower. So uh, I think they have to be a little bit disappointed come, not coming away with any of those guys at, at the beginning of free agency. But, you know, they're picking high in the draft again, so maybe they'll get that guy there. Yeah. Where, where do they pick, where do, what do they pick in the draft? What Do you know off the top of your head? Ninth? So they have a top yeah. ten pick. So I mean, right. there's definitely defensive is, guys around there. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is a good year for defensive line anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's just about you know, hopefully they'll pick the right guy. Yeah, well, that now, always the always the trick. Um, what else, what else has stood out to you guys in free agency? Well, the Steelers got Ladarius Green. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, that's kind of just a one-off. I think that he'll fit really well in that. Um, it's kind of the speed, athleticism, tight end thing. I'm um, excited to see the Steelers' offense next year. So that was one, that was one move that I thought was pretty cool. 
Yeah, I was thinking about it. You think about what they could do with him, you know, in the middle. And, and then you've got Antonio Brown and Mark Davis Bryant. Right. Those guys you've got to defend on the outside. Whew. They're going to pass for a lot of yards. Yeah. Let me this. I think Travis, uh, not Travis. Uh, yes, Travis Benjamin may end up breaking the, the per catch average record, whatever that is, in the NFL next year, playing out there with the Chargers. Mm. Because, you know, I tell people, I tell people this, and it, of course, a lot of people don't watch the Browns, haven't really paid attention to them. But when you think about it, he's a, he's an as fast, but with better hands, Ted Ginn Jr. Yeah. And he's never had, really had a quarterback that could exploit that. Um, you know, they, they did a little better job of it last year with, with Josh McCown and, and to a lesser extent, Johnny Manziel. But, you know, if, um, Philip Rivers can stay healthy, man, he's going to mm-hmm. be chunking it up all day long to that guy. There ain't very many defensive backs on earth that can keep up with him. <laughs> no. And you think, I mean, you think he's got, and they're trying to get Keenan Allen signed to a long-term deal. But man, you got a healthy Keenan Allen on the outside there too in San Diego. That's I mean that could be a hell of an off. And Melvin Gordon, if they get him kind of, you know, back to to expectations where they you know had him in the draft this year. I mean, Benjamin had 966 yards last season with whatever mess the Cleveland Browns had at quarterback. And just I mean, to give you an idea funny. of how bad. It is for the Browns right now. Here's Deshaun Gibson, who just signed with the Jaguars. Emphasis on former Brown safety Deshaun Gibson signing with the Jaguars. Quote, unquote. <laughs> he wanted to start winning. That's why he left Cleveland for the Jaguars. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yikes. <laughs> and he also said, this is his press conference today. It's as confusing to us as it is to fans in Cleveland. How do you lose two pro bowlers and a right tackle? <laughs> so, yeah, things are great in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I mean, here's the thing, though. Um, there's something to be said for going ahead and just letting the whole thing yeah. uh, burn down. And really and truly... It's, you know, the only thing that's kind of uh, missing here is that they're not being able to get something back in trades for some of these guys, obviously. Uh, they're just kind of leaving them on the court. But they may come back and get some uh, compens- com- compensatory picks, I think, uh, for these guys that's leaving their free agency. So they'll get something back for some of these guys at least. And, hey, it's an opportunity for Hugh to, you know, basically kind of build this team from the ground up in his image. Yeah. It's not, you know, I'm definitely not trying to say <laughs> it's what he'd rather do. I'm sure it's not, especially as far as rebuilding your offensive line, which is one of the hardest things to do, in my opinion. But, you know, it could be a lot worse. They, they have a high draft pick this year. They have money to spend. Um, he'll be able to kind of build that team exactly how he wants it to be. Now, rather than kind of playing with parts that, some of which he probably didn't want, you know, some of which probably didn't fit mm-hmm. what he's looking for. So, you know, it, it, it sucks. And if you're a Cleveland Browns fan and, and you already weren't winning and you lose some of these guys like Mitchell Schwartz, who never missed a play, I think, in his whole career in Cleveland, it, it, it's got to suck. 
But, you, you know, on the other side, there's an upside to this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you probably aren't going to contend next year, but you probably weren't going to anyway. But you can kind of start building the team, not just the talent-wise, but in the kind of guys you want, the kind, the kind of mentality you want in your locker room and kind of build that team in your own image. And so Hugh has a huge opportunity here. Of course, I'm sure they've heard that all before in Cleveland, but I think with some of the right moves, uh, in the kind of like the second and third wave of, wave of free agency, yeah, and, and if they can hit on those top draft picks, they should be okay at two or three years from now. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Hugh did a good job with that offense. I mean, you know, a lot of that came through the draft too. But you know, during his tenure in Cincinnati, I mean, you know, the offensive line was always a pretty reliable unit for the for the Bengals under Hugh Jackson. So maybe that's something he can kind of recapture there in Cleveland. I mean. Sometimes it is true. I mean, you got to burn it all down to build it up right again. So uh, maybe that's what you're holding on to if you're a Cleveland fan today. But that's the thing, too. I mean, you know, it's March. You know, the time to get upset and pissed off is October or November and December. I mean, it's, you know, there's no team that's better at winning free agency than the Miami Dolphins every March. And, and how does that turn out for them? So. It's, uh, you know. Yeah, it is kind of funny how everybody cautions cautions about trying to win the all season but then when it's somebody like the browns and it's you know pretty apparent that they're losing the all season that people start freaking out those same exact people yeah. start freaking out so it's hard see, not to you know, i mean you know I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. it yeah i get it but yeah I, there's always you know kind of uh uh the flip side to it yeah. because when somebody leaves um, no matter wh- how good they are, there's always a, an opportunity for somebody else to come in and play well, too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It ain't like they were winning any kind of division with these guys <laughs> in it. I'm no, and they're Those a long way players. from catching up to the Steelers and the Ravens and the Bengals. It's, I mean, you know, and they have a good pick in the draft. They can, re- you know, they can kind of retool from there. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, and this is all, too, the other thing, and this is obviously – the stuff we'll be talking about as the spring progresses. But, you know, you got to take all this in context with the draft, too. I mean, what teams are doing now will have an effect on what they do in the draft come, you know, come April, come the end of April when the, when the draft happens. So it'll be interesting to see how those two things interplay through the offseason as, 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 as we get to that point. Speaking of the draft, I don't want to dwell on the draft too much because it's something we're really going to be hitting on um, through the uh, the late March, early April doldrums once the free agency excitement dies down. But um, Stephen Ashawn Robinson, he's not much to my surprise. He is not actually thirty five years old, even though he does look a little <laughs> bit sure? like it. <laughs> Are we sure? I, I mean, his long form long form birth certificate. I'm not sure. I'm still kind of. I, Maybe know. he went to the same. Maybe he had, his mom had the same OBGYN as Albert Pujols's, and they just you know where the birth certificates hey. aren't quite living up to the mix. But he, it's an interesting guy. I mean, this is a guy that's talented, but still sort of difficult to project. Give, give us the overview of Ashawn Robinson. Well, he's a guy that uh, first of all, he's actually bigger than he looks, which is crazy. You know, you kind of look, and he looks like kind of a normal-sized guy until he walks by somebody who actually is a normal-sized guy. You're like, oh, my goodness. And so, you know, he's, he's big, he's tall, he's very strong. 
Um, but, you know, his technique as far as the pass rusher is lacking a little bit. He's a, a 3-4 interior guy at Alabama, so he was mostly called on to be a run stopper, and he was really good at that. Yeah. But, of course, on the next level, you're going to be – you're going to need for him to be uh, more than that. You're going to need, to ha- need for him to be able to pass rush at least a little bit, even if he's a five technique and a three, four on the next level. So I think he's athletic enough to do that. Um, he ran like a five, two at the combine, which at the time when I wrote it hadn't happened yet. Um, but I think he, he's more athletic than that for sure. I think he's uh, can be more explosive than that when he really gets off the football. I think he can uh, be uh, uh, as far as, Agile and agility uh, uh, laterally, he definitely gets down the line and even makes some plays from behind on film in college. So he's got a ton of potential, man. Even though he looks 35, uh, uh, he's still a relatively young cat. And so he, there's a lot of upside to him, I think. I just think he needs to get with a really good defensive line coach to work on his technique a little bit. And then he's so big and strong, and you, you combine it with better uh, – uh, uh, technique and his athletics athleticism he can be a guy that you can move around a lot too mm-hmm. not really a four three guy but more so like a three four guy that you can kind of play on the edge a little bit uh, on early downs and then kick him inside on passing downs and i think that he'll he'll be just fine there um uh, uh i i compared him a little bit to fletcher cox yeah which is maybe a little bit unfair to 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 Sean robinson because Right now, Fletcher Cox, you know, he, he's kind of like the man as, as a legit five technique in a 3-4. It looks like they're going back to a 4-3 in Philly. So uh, I think he'll actually even be a, even better in that kind of scheme. But uh, last year, as, as, as a guy that kind of moved around the way I think he would want to move A. Sean Robinson around, uh, Fletcher Cox was dominating in every sense of the word. Yeah. But what he has what he has that A'shaun Robinson doesn't is a lot better technique when it comes to using his hands and being a pass rusher. Yeah. So if A'shaun Robinson can can get that, like if he's a hard worker and he really works at it and he gets him, himself some better pass rush moves, I'm not saying he could beat Fletcher Cox, but teams could use him in a similar fashion. Danny, did you have a chance to talk to Robinson at the Combine where – I know that this, the interview schedule gets all wacky because sometimes the stuff takes longer right. than testing and everything. So I was just curious if you had a chance to talk to him at the Combine at all. No, I didn't get a chance to talk to him personally. I did talk to – I spent a lot of time talking to the offensive linemen the first couple of days, and, mm-hmm. and a couple of them, several of them mentioned him as, like, one of the hardest guys to block, though. So you know, I think that's kind of um, – that's that says a lot about him just when you hear – you know, some of the offensive linemen that he had to face, like giving him so much respect and, and talking yeah. about how, how good he is. So that was kind of, that, that stood out to me for sure. Interesting. Wow. That's going to be, uh, that's going to be a guy to watch in. Like I say, not to get too far ahead on draft stuff because we've got a shit ton more draft stuff coming down the pike and we've still got a shit ton more free agency to get through. So, um, let's, uh, let's, let's put, a lot of our draft hot draft takes aside for just for for a little bit here in in the spring. Well, guys, uh, we're coming up on an hour, and I don't want to I don't want to bleed into any uh, the inevitable Colin Kaepernick trade while we're still on the phone here. So it's, uh, it's going to happen. Oh yeah, I guarantee you. Either it's going to happen as soon as we hang up, or it's going to happen um, 
like you know at six o'clock as soon as everybody sits down to dinner or something like that so yeah yeah it's it's all it's it's march man that's always the way shit happens well, guys, it's been uh, it's been a good podcast. I think it's a fitting good podcast for a fitting uh, good free agency so far. So let's uh, let's go and enjoy the rest of it. Sounds good to me. And we'll reconvene next Absolutely. week and talk a little more football. 